Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out the radio version of the show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on WDJY 99.1 in Atlanta. We also air on a podcasting network in Los Angeles called the 405 Media. There's a TV version of the show that airs on KMVT 15 in Silicon Valley at 8 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Join me at the 10th Annual Media Excellence Awards on January 18th in Beverly Hills, California. The attendees and I will be celebrating innovation and leadership in technology and entertainment. There are 20 award categories with 1,000 nominees. These awards honor those who are creating groundbreaking technology to better our lives and celebrate the hard work, determination, and brilliance in the leadership within the companies which create the new world we live in today. I will be recording nominees and winners at the awards. For tickets and more information, go to MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Tammy Zhu. She's the general manager at Kika Tech US. Tammy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin, for having me here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing is, is actually really interesting and, and cool, but maybe before we kind of get into that, let's start off and get to know you a little bit better and cover where you grew up. Sure, that totally makes sense. Um, I was born and raised in Beijing and actually okay. educated in Beijing as well. Okay, what did you take in uh, Beijing? What, what did I study in Beijing? Yeah. I, did you go to university in, in Beijing or, or did yeah. you? Okay. What did you yes. take there? Yes. Um, I went to uh, Beijing University. I studied okay. information science with okay. primary focus in computer science okay. and artificial intelligence. Interesting. So, so what got you passionate in that early on? Was there like a defining moment in your childhood? Yes. Uh, quite, it's quite a field, right? But mainly related to why I wanted to focus on artificial intelligence and also why I came to the United States. Okay. So <clears throat> I grew up in a communist China. Sure. And at the time, China had very few uh, international schools. And matter of fact, in the capital of China, right, Beijing, yeah. there was only one international school, little international school, where the uh, foreign, the only school that foreign diplomats could send their kids to. So I remember when I was four years old, uh, one of the classmates uh, from Kansas uh, who spoke fluent Mandarin Chinese. So I was thinking, wow, that's so impressive. I wish I could speak a different language. So that was one of the very early on defining moments where, um, you know, the international uh, education opened up the whole window to the world. Interesting. And then when I was here, dad was a visiting professor in the United States. So my dad told me a lot about Stanford, about the Bay Area, about the innovation. So I felt that you know when I grow up, after graduating from uh, college, I would come to the United States and then eventually work in the Silicon Valley. Sure. So that's okay. And then in college, uh, I focused on Chinese natural language processing uh, as my primary focus. And matter of fact, my college thesis and one. Uh, you know, college awards as well. Um, and then I, you know, followed my path. I applied for graduate schools in the United States 
and my focus areas was computer vision. And that was because when I was born, ever since I was born, I had an eye defect, defect and one of my eyes is legally blind. And uh, I wanted to take advantage of that opportunity to uh, study computer vision so A, myself could benefit, and more importantly, people like me, work vision could potentially benefit the innovation in the field of AI. So those were some of the defining moments. No, that's that's fascinating, and and that's that's really cool. So, you you've been to kind of a, a bunch of different universities, but walk me through. You, you you graduate. You've you've worked at a bunch of companies. Walk me through up until your current position. Kind of walk us through that kind of journey. Sure. So uh, you know, I went to Beijing University, which is the most pre- uh, prestigious university and a competitive university sure. uh, in China, and that really shaped my character and being very progressive and wanting to always be the number one, right? And also, sure. uh, the, the school was very much of a um, you know looking into the world. So, so that really formed the foundation in my uh, formative years. And then I came to the United States, I studied computer science, and then uh, studied um, master's, uh, sorry, I got my MBA. So, uh, and then in between, also I practiced as a software engineer, writing Borland C++ compiler. Wow. So, uh, as you mentioned, right, you practice engineering for two decades. So writing programs is one thing, but writing compilers is whole another level. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, and and th- those languages aren't easy to learn, right? Like, there's a lot simpler languages to, to actually program in. So, I, I commend you. <laughs> <laughs> and and matter of fact, I have to say, even today, I still benefit from sure. those early years of practicing engineering. Sure, I, I guess like once you understand how to program and the logic, it, it never really goes away. The languages are, you might write different syntax now in different languages for the web or, or whatnot, but you know, and the languages you mentioned still exist today, but you, th- that logic never goes away and understanding software at that deep of a level is is gotta be beneficial in your day-to-day career. Yes, yes, I'm very grateful for that. Sure. And then, <clears throat> so I practiced engineering for three years and then I figure out, um, I, cause my, uh, personality is somewhat uh, extrovert, and I enjoy interfacing with people. And also, I, I wanted to get into the to get into business, so I can you know for I, I can still practice in technology, sure. but switch the business side. So I got my MBA and then practice business ever since. Wow, that's that's really cool. So, how did you get to uh, your current role? Walk walk us through that. Um, so after MIT, uh, I immediately joined a startup, right? Okay, uh, sure. In a startup, I could probably remember Excite at Home. At the time, we were inventing the high-speed broadband. Sure. And the high-speed was one, uh, one, uh, one MSP. So, so I joined Excite at Home. And then I uh, went to AOL. Okay. Uh, and then I joined one advertising firms in uh, the world, uh, but uh, it was part of large corporations, and I decided to join startups, and um, that was about three years ago. That was 
pretty much at, still at the early stage of this whole um, renaissance of AI for this period. So then, oh. so I joined um, one other startup until uh, a year ago. I joined Kika. Okay, so so what is what is Kika, and and why did you decide to come on board? Um, the mission of Kika is to revolutionize communication with AI. So that's directly in my field, right? And at Kika, we break down communication into three areas. Okay. The number one area, information sharing. The number two area is about expressing uh, personal feelings and emotions. And number three area is about sending requests and having your requests fulfilled. So if you were to look at the AI products in the market, so for example, right, they uh, address the challenge in the area of sending requests and having your requests fulfilled. For example, you say, hey, Alexa, can you create a song for me? Alexa, then play a song for you. Sure. Um, Google Home, what's the weather like today? Google Home will tell you what that is, right? For Kika, we're addressing all three of these areas of challenges and their communication. And that's far more complex than just focusing on one area. No, I, yeah, I 100% agree. So you started out, it's right now, it's a key, it's a keyboard that people install to their smartphone or tablet, correct? Right, correct. So you, I'm so glad you brought it up, matter of fact. So this is the entry point for Kika to enter into AI, right? Sure. So we're not a, just a keyboard, just another keyboard. There are plenty of keyboards out there. Right. And uh, with the overall mission in mind, we want to improve how human to human communicate with their emotions, with their personalities, and also with the information. And so far, our product has been very successful, ranked as number one in Google Play Store. We have 400 million downloads worldwide, wow. 60 million monthly uniques. Wow. And more importantly, the product is highly engaging that our users on a daily basis per user, they use 120 times a day. Wow, that's amazing. Congrats on that. Cause that, that's actually really hard to do, right? Like for any app on the store, on either store to have that many downloads is, is actually really impressive. Yes, yeah, matter of fact, a lot of products, right? Including some of the AI products in the field, right? You spend some money, you buy it, you think, well, I want to give it a try. Mm-hmm. So you see the immediate adoption, the very quick peak the time of purchase, but a week or a month after the purchase, you see the drop of usage totally. because people uh, have tried it out. They're, they know of limitations. Uh, the novelty has worn out, right? Whereas mm-hmm. for our product, the adoption continues to grow. And sure. this is, matter of fact, one of the uh, key competitive differentiation factors for us. Sure, because basically everybody, you use the keyboard in most apps on your smartphone throughout the day, right? Like, and so it makes a lot of sense for you guys to, to use that as the, the gateway into kind of all this stuff, which is actually really fascinating to me. But but I'm curious to know how to, like for people that haven't tried it, kind of, I know it's hard to kind of visually exp- or like talk about how it looks through audio, but how do people kind of use the keyboard is it similar or different to kind of their current keyboard because when i tried it, it it's 
was natural and like you, you don't really it looks a little bit different and that's part of I think one of your differentiators but it's not like it's you need to really learn anything you just say use this keyboard instead of my default keyboard and you just go right exactly and you got that and the uh, ways we measure the success right or eventual success of our product is by three things and again tied to what we talked about the AI part right mm -hmm. and how do we use AI to in, to enhance communication sure. to the extent so we can measure uh, how fast that is fast meaning from the time the sender of the information from the time he or she has the intent to communicate to the time the audience actually received the information how long is that can we reduce that amount of time by providing smart contact can can we predict what they're trying to say and can, can we have them type before they even finish typing sure. right and this is exactly what we're doing and what we're continuing to improve another area uh, while they're busy can they uh, communicate accurately and free so there are a couple of things right oh, accurately meaning that a lot of times when uh, a person expressed his or her own, her own idea, the audience may not interpret it as the way of the original attempt. And how accurate that is, that's a challenge and we're trying to address. And also we're integrating features such as voice uh, and other features into our product, right, to make it more convenient for our consumers. Sure. I, I think the other thing that I found kind of interesting about what you guys are doing is is the language switching because I, I don't, I speak one language, but I've known and I've watched other people where they speak English to, you know, a bunch of their contacts. Then they might speak Spanish or French or uh, it doesn't really matter. Other languages to some of their other contacts and just being able to like switch key, like languages in a keyboard, being able to, you know, send different kind of emojis and graphics and GIFs and, and that kind of thing is actually like, really important to somebody that needs to be able to kind of switch and customize what they're doing kind of on the fly based on the contact that they're talking to. Yes, we support 150 languages. That's one thing. Another thing uh, you touch upon is that, especially for certain ethnic groups, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when English is not their native language, mm -hmm. they tend to communicate in mixed languages. Totally. So for example, you know, messages they mix Chinese with English sure. and our application can support this level of usage. Wow and that's, what, that's really cool. Our product is one of the few very few products that can support that at a scale. Sure no that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm kind of curious then like we've kind of touched on AI and and stuff like that but I want to dive a little bit deeper into kind of how the platform kind of leverages, you know, AI and kind of deep learning and, and some of the natural language processing stuff that you guys are doing, because I think that's actually really cool. And I've, and I've never really seen a keyboard kind of do it like you guys are doing it. Sure. At Chica, we define AI technology, right, as three key components. Yep. Number one is there, we have a large volume of training data. Okay. And this is essential in artificial intelligence because without the large, large volume of training data, you won't be able to train your algorithm to identify the right pattern, right, right. or the pattern that's out of norm. So that's number one necessity. And number two necessity is AI technology 
So some of the buzzwords you're hearing, right? For example, machine learning, or for example, deep learning, and all these fall into AI technology or techniques. And the third one is that there needs to be compelling use cases. Okay. So with all three combined, then that makes an AI company. And we probably hear, well, not probably, matter of fact, we're hearing almost every company is an AI company now, right? Sure, <laughs> and based yeah. on this criteria, that actually filters out quite a bit of um, companies that are leveraging AI technology versus companies that are truly AI technology. So tying back to your question, Kevin, at Kika, we have very large volume training data. That's because we have 400 million downloads and very high engagement rate. And every time a user uses it, that's additional training data for, for us. Sure. So that's one. The second thing is we have this very sophisticated mathematical model and algorithm, um, deep learning, to analyze the data, understand usage behavior, and predict usage behavior. So when you text to a friend of yours, we can predict who you're texting to, what contacts, and what you're about to say. And even though your, your typing may not be 100% accurate, we know what you're about to say, and we help you present you with the sentences that exactly reflect your intent. So, can sorry to interrupt you, but so based on the type, like, I don't know, say it's like my best friend or like my mother, obviously the conversation is going to be different and it, the tone's probably different. Um, not saying one's better than the other, but it might just be, you can predict, okay, Kevin's talking to his mother, so he's probably going to, you know, use this type of language and he, or he's talking to his friend, he's probably going to use this type of language. You guys can do stuff like that. Is, is that what you're kind of describing to me? Yes. So let's use an example, right? Say you're talking sure. to your mother or your mom. Hey, Kevin, did you sleep well last night? Sure. And you wouldn't want to tell your mom that you parted till 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> like, no sure. tomorrow. Right? Sure. You're going to say, sure, mom. Yes, I got plenty of sleep. I have um, in my good health. Sure. Uh, whereas when you talk to your friend and say, hey, Kevin, what up? Did you have a good night? You're going to say, hey, buddy, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can okay. your night be <laughs> Right? Sure. So this is just an example that we can tell the difference. No, that that's actually really cool. So I, I'm curious then, for people that kind of switch, because you guys are on Android and iOS, correct? Yes, correct. You do you got like if I use the keyboard on my Android phone and then I use it say on my iPad for example or my iPhone or, or whatnot, do you sync the data between the two different platforms or is that still not there yet? Yes, we sync the data. So we have very good understanding of user data. Okay. However, we keep privacy policy in mind. We privacy policy so that. A, user identifications are not linked to usage behavior. That's uh, one. Okay. And two, they don't sell user data. Right. Okay. No, that's that's actually really interesting. So how does how do you guys kind of predict stuff related to specific apps or do you? Like if I'm in my email, is it different than if I'm in like a chat client or how does that kind of work? You just 
brought up a very uh, interesting point. Uh, matter of fact, till now, right, users could use our application in all different communication apps right. in a very similar way. Given that um, each of the um, the communication apps give us the similar type of API, so assuming the same condition, then the functionalities would be the same. But then I think Kevin, you brought a very good point in that when different users use different applications, they may have different or our app will need to service these needs differently. Right. And this is something we should be thinking about. No, I, I think that's that's really cool. So I'm, I'm curious then to dive a little bit deeper into the app. We've kind of covered kind of the high level, maybe some of the nerdier stuff, but you guys provide tons of kind of emojis, a bunch of themes, some stickers. Um, you guys kind of have like a whole marketplace around this whole thing. Do you want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of the features that you guys provide? Yes, this is actually the fun part, right? The themes and emojis. And we recently had a few focus groups and inviting our users to our office, right? And talk about what they like. Okay. And some of the users, when they talk about emoji, you can see their eyes just lit up. Sure. And then they talk about themes. So for these content, we produce the content, some of it in-house. And for some other contents, we actually form partnerships with Hollywood studios okay. or with sports teams. For example, Barcelona, Real Madrid. And recently, we formed partnerships with Sharks. And okay. for Hollywood studios, we have partnerships with uh, Wonder Woman. We have Despicable Me, Not Job 2. And all these perform very well, extremely well received. Interesting. So... How do you guys monetize the platform? The company at this point is still at a stage of growing and investing the proceeds okay. into investing in uh, organization, hiring the best talent and growing in different markets. Sure. And we're looking into various ways of, say, from advertising point of view, right? How we can uh, sell a certain placement without impacting our user experience. Got you. Okay, sure. And you guys raised a bunch of money, correct? Yes. Okay, so did you guys raise that? Is it VC money or did you guys kind of self-fund or, or walk me through kind of how you raised your kind of first round to get the product out there? Yeah, we have raised in total of $63 million wow. from venture capital. Okay, very and cool. And of fact, the company is still figuring out how do we operate so that we can spend most of the money <laughs> sure no 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 i think that's great so i'm curious then to know you you mentioned you have all these kind of partnerships with these big brands and movies and sports teams and etc how did you guys kind of go about kind of making these partnerships with these people because i think a lot of people like you guys are grown astronomically and you have tons and tons of users and then you have these giant partnerships like how did you guys kind of grow the product and to be that at this big of scale very good question the partnership actually didn't come that easy but in our imagine. company one of the one of the beliefs is that we don't take a no for an answer okay it sounds cliche but it really is what are they new beforehand that large this these big 
big name sports leagues or Hollywood studios, right? Mm-hmm. Most likely they, they wouldn't they wouldn't care having a partnership with us. But we are we we also know the end game is yes. It may take a day, may take a month, may take a year, but we know we want the end game to be yes. Sure. So we built our product, and also we operate in the whole framework of yes, we can get it done. Interesting. No, I, I, but I, I think that's really good advice, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I don't know anybody at this or that or, or whatever, and they just kind of give up, right? And there's ways to basically get in contact with pretty much anybody at any company. If you There's tools out there. There's ways of doing it. There's LinkedIn and there's paid tools and there's other ways of doing it. So that's actually really, really good advice. Um, is there anything though that you could talk about and how to market, you know, your app or, you know, on kind of Android and iOS? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that and are always kind of wondering. At Chica, we don't believe in spending a lot of money money in marketing because we're a startup, and sure. we focus on developing the quality and features of our product. So the number one step is that we build a very solid product products that are easy to use that our consumers love. Sure. That's the number one. And number two thing is when it, uh, when our consumers love to use our product, they tell their friends and family. Sure. <clears throat> the word spread. And number three is as the word spread, we have more users. As we have more users, there are more users. <clears throat> then we're able to achieve Google, the number one place in Google Play Store. And that's a critical momentum where we can get more users. So this is really like a snowball effect. This is how we get from nothing to where we're now. No, I I think that's great. That's it's actually really fascinating to me because I love talking to people like yourselves that are are willing to open up about kind of how you guys do some of this stuff because I think a lot of people are scared to kind of reach out to some of these big companies or brands or or whoever to actually get them you know, involved in, in, in the product because I, and I, for basically anybody's reachable nowadays, um, you know, through LinkedIn or, you know, there's apps out there that you can pay monthly fees for that basically index contact information for pretty much anybody on, on the planet. So I think it's pretty cool that you guys have been able to do what you guys are doing and then kind of tying in the, you know, all the AI stuff around this. But, but I'm kind of curious to know where do you guys kind of see this going? Because it, it's almost endless. Would, is that a fair statement? Yes, it's endless. And also we need to make sure our product roadmap continue to stay on a course where AI and also communication intersect. And then we continue to develop and innovate. Sure. So are you guys looking at building other apps or are you guys sticking with a keyboard or, or what do you guys kind of see in the roadmap? Yes, we actually have a lot more exciting news to share in January. Okay. And uh, we have a uh, number of new products coming up, but right now it's still a little bit premature. Sure. But once after we are at the stage where we're ready to share, then Kevin, you will be the first to know. Uh, no, that that's really cool. But I, I guess I'm just kind of more curious, like uh, without even talking about what you guys are doing kind of next, it's interesting to see that you guys are kind of evolving 
you know, obviously the, this app and then other apps. Um, do you guys ever think you'll do something in kind of the VR augmented reality space? Possibly. Okay. Probably not immediately because it sure. requires some uh, a, a diversion of uh, our core focus. Okay. And as a startup, we're focused. But at some point, maybe it's uh, it's too early to say. Sure. So when you guys have kind of partnered with these kind of big brands and, and whatnot, do you guys have to pay a licensing fee or is it just kind of a, it depends on who you guys are partnering with or, or how does that kind of work? It really depends who okay. we work with. Okay. And we try to create a opportunity that both partners are in, uh, are benefiting. And also we focus on long-term partnerships. Sure. Yeah, no, I guess. And then when you, you mentioned earlier about kind of monetization down the line, you know, working with some of those big brands and having the relationships with those like is is awesome, right? And and then building a community around it. Yes. So so how yes. does it We're work? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Right on. We're building an ecosystem. Sure. Right. So are you letting your users contribute to the platform in any way, shape, or form? To the extent where emojis. We actually have a open form of emoji design and competition. Okay. And we invite to participate. We also believe the more users are involved, the more likelihood they're going to use the product and the more likelihood they're going to tell their friends that, hey, look at the feature or this emoji. I designed that and take great pride in that. Sure. No, I, I think that's really good because I'm just looking through, you know, some of the stuff in the app already, like the... The stuff's really well done and the artwork's really cool, right? And so I think having a to leveraging the community side of this thing makes a lot of sense. Um, the other thing that I definitely wanted to kind of cover, um, kind of as we're rat, we're coming to the end of the show, is you guys bring um, kind of swipe, which is one of my absolute kind of favorite keyboard features, no matter what keyboard I'm using, but. You, you mentioned you can you can type faster. Are you guys doing swipe a little bit different than kind of the traditional apps, or, or is it kind of similar to how you're doing? Because you, you mentioned it was faster to type and whatnot earlier. Are you guys kind of doing the same thing with swipe? We have swipe as well, and we have our in-house algorithm, and our, we continuously compare the uh, quality and also the speed of swipe to other top-notch products in the field okay. and make sure our performance is the best in the category. Interesting. And then I'm obviously the the suggestion and what I'm trying to suggest is getting better over time too as I use the app and others are using the app, correct? Yes. The more you use the app, the more data we have to help us. And the, also the more likelihood the app understand your usage and make it more accurate for you personally. Sure. Well, well, Tammy, we're coming to the end of the show. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and actually download the app on either store or both stores. Sure. Yes, our consumers can download from Google and from Apple. Okay. And it's just K-I-K-A and then uh, keyboard or either or works in the store for search, both or just Kika? Yes. 
there could be a number of ways, right? It could be Kika keyboard in Google Play Store or, say, Barcelona keyboard, right? Okay. And our keyboard or uh, Wonder Woman keyboard. Uh, so really okay. Interesting. So there could be many ways that users do the search and our product would show up. Okay, very cool. And then they can go to your website, K-I-K-A-T-E-C-H.com, Kika Tech. Right on. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.